Luke chapter 19, beginning with verse 1, I'm reading from the King James translation. It reads as follows, Luke 19, beginning with verse 1. And Jesus entered and passed through Jericho. And behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus, which was chief among the publicans, and he was rich. And he sought to see Jesus, who he was, and could not for the press, because he was little of stature. And he ran before and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him, for he was to pass that way. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and saw him. And said unto him, Zacchaeus, make haste and come down, for today I must abide at thy house. And he made haste and came down and received him joyfully. And when they saw it, they all murmured that he was gone to be a guest with a man that is a sinner. And Zacchaeus stood and said unto the Lord, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor. And if I have taken anything from any man by false accusation, I restore him fourfold. And Jesus said unto him, This day is salvation come to this house. For as much as he also is a son of Abraham, for the Son of Man is come to seek and to save that which was lost. I want you to notice this text. I want you to think about the situation that you see here. Jesus entering into a town and he passed through a city called Jericho. There was a man there whose name was Zacchaeus. He was a publican, but he was a very rich man. But he wanted to see Jesus. He wanted to see him, but he couldn't. He was a short man. He was one that was small in stature. So what he did is he climbed up into a tree. And he waited as Jesus was passing by. But what I love about the text is the Bible says in verse 5, when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and saw him. And he said to him, Zacchaeus, he knew his name too. Make haste and come down. And then what's interesting, they Verse 7, they all murmured, saying, Jesus is gone to be a guest with a man that is a sinner. Yes. I want to speak today from the subject, Jesus, the friend of sinners. Amen. Jesus, the friend of sinners. Amen. Webster defines a friend as a favored companion. I thank God 
that in my lifetime I have developed and maintained a variety of friends. I thank God for those persons, for what each of them means to me. Many of them have gone on to be with the Lord. And I'm sure that in the course of time, one day I'll be gone too. But I'm grateful. I'm grateful that the Lord allowed me to have friends. I recall when I was growing up in Jackson, Mississippi, my hometown, we used to walk to school. And I chose to go to the school that was about five or six miles further away from my house. And I'm going to be honest with you, I went there because they had the prettiest girls. <laughs> this was before I met my wife. We had uh, zoning. This was uh, before integration of schools. In fact, I think they desegregated the schools in the middle of my high school years. But I wanted to go to the school that had the pretty girls. And so I went to Lanier High School. And we would walk to school. One of my dearest friends, uh, Johnny, his name was Bowden, that's his real name. He was a good friend of mine. We, we saw things alike. We, we talked a lot. We had great fellowship. And even though it was hot outside, we didn't feel the heat like we feel it today. We walked to school. Nowadays, I see the young people, they riding on these scooters and bicycles and cars and all kinds of things. But we walked. And we had some of the most memorable times. My dear friend, Hubert Nelson, you mentioned him. You met him once. He passed away. But I thank God for that brother. I thank God for the relationship that we had through the years and how he always would give me a word of encouragement. We started in ministry very close to the same time. He was a few years older than me, but he was like a mentor for me. And we had a friendship that lasted close to 50 years. And I thank God for him. He's now gone to be with the Lord. But I appreciate the conversations that we had. What I guess I'm trying to say is that everybody needs friends. We need a variety of friends. Uh, I was reading some information as I was preparing this message. And an illustration came to my mind and I thought it was a good one. I was reading about a lady who talked about the fact that she has a variety of shoes. She has a shoe for different occasions. She has shoes for running, shoes for casual dress, shoes for fishing. She has all types of shoes and each pair of shoes is special for the occasion and for the purpose for which it was purchased. And likewise, we have friends for different areas of our lives. We have casual friends, 
close friends, work friends, social friends, and on goes the list. Now, some of the friend categories that I would name may or may not resonate with you. That's okay. We're all different. We have the friend that work. I don't know about you. I mean, I love my job. I love what God has called me to do, but I can't tell you I love work. <laughs> I can't say I love work. But we, we, we get up and we do it. Every morning, you should see me about 4 o'clock in the morning talking to myself, trying to convince myself that I need to keep doing this. <laughs> I talk to myself. I push myself. Then finally, I just thrust myself up and I get on up and I get on out the door. And when I get there, there are those people that I meet. And there are different types of people. We have the friend at work. The friend at work, that person that talks to you at work. You probably never talk to them outside of work. Probably wouldn't even recognize them (laughs) outside of work. But they provide that conversation. They provide that stimulation that motivation that you need to make it through the day. Then you've got the friend who's known you forever. Can you believe it? When I moved to Houston 11 years ago, I met a man who said he was in high school with me. I kind of know him. I can't figure it out to save me, but he said he knows me. And he told me who I was and so forth. And there are a lot of people that I see every day that swear they know me. And we had these little casual conversations in the hall. Hey, how you doing? Hey, Jackson, Mississippi, how you doing? Praise the Lord. And it helped me to get through the day. Well, there are those types of friends. Then there's your, your, your shopping buddy. You know, men shop too. Now, y'all might think that only women shop. Men shop for different things, you know. And I used to go shopping, and there was a young man, I don't even know his name, but I'd always see him in the stores that I would go to. And he would always be there. We'd be talking about different things. Could be a, some fashion, some hat, some pair of shoes, or something. And it sort of made my day. When I was down and low in spirit, I would go by these stores and just see this brother, and it would uplift my spirit. It's been a few years since I've seen him. I don't know where he lives. I don't even know his name. But he was someone I could talk to. And then we have those straight talking friends. You know what I mean? Every now and then we need a friend that's going to tell you the truth. (laughs) Whether you want to hear it or not. And I have some of those friends. And I know when I go to them, I need to be ready. Because they're going to tell me just like it is. I remember Probably about 40 years ago, I was praying for something. My dear friend, uh, Betty Robinson, uh, some of you have met her. I wanted something. I wanted a job or something that I wanted. And she said, I'm going to pray that God's will be done. I got mad with her. (laughs) I want you to pray that God's will be done. I want you to pray that I get what I'm asking for. Well, she thought she's going to pray that God's will be done. And I was upset. But I was immature. I've grown now. And I've come to the conclusion that if it's not the will of God, I don't want it. If it's not what God wants, I don't want it. A lot of times we want people to tell us what we want to hear. 
and not what is the will of God. Some of us have those feel-good friends. You know, sometimes you're just down and out. You just need a feel-good friend. Need somebody to tell you, girl, you look good. Or, boy, you showing up sharp. You know, they, you know they're not telling the truth, but it makes you feel better. You know, just to, to lift you up. But the Bible tells us that a man that had friends, this is Proverbs 18, 24, must show himself friendly. If you want to have friends, you got to be friendly. You can't expect people to befriend you and you frowning all the time. And I said this before and I said it again. One of the main persons, I think I told you, Deacon Deacon, that inspired me to come to Willow Ridge Baptist Church was Jerome Deason. Believe it or not, you don't even necessarily know that. And what do I mean? When I would visit, he wasn't the only one, the deacon that would be outdoors. I don't know if y'all still do that. They say, so hot out there. Y'all used to be outside. Yeah. Right under the, uh, the breezeway. And every time I came, you would say, welcome. We're glad to have you. Come back to see us again. And I felt that you meant that. Now, maybe you didn't. <laughs> but I... I took it from, he really feel this way. And I felt good by coming. And I kept on coming. Can you imagine what it would be like to come into a place and nobody welcomes you? Nobody says we're glad to see you. Nobody makes you feel at home. But if you want to have friends, you've got to be a friend. I read a little poem that says, I went out to find a friend, but could not find one there. I went out to be a friend, and friends were everywhere. Right. If you go out looking for friends, mm -hmm. you're not going to find them. But go out and be a friend, and you'll find that you'll have friends all around you. We all need friends. It is my hope and prayer that we as believers will recognize the importance of friendship. Now these disciples, these folk that criticized Jesus, they weren't paying him a compliment. They were really trying to put him down. Saying, oh, this man eats with sinners. Man is this. We don't eat with sinners. We don't have fellowship with sinners. Well, Jesus told him, look, the Son of Man came to seek and to save that which was lost. I didn't come to call the righteous. He said, I came to call sinners to repentance. Yes. Now, I realize that we should be holy. We should be unspotted from the world. We should not... Uh, mix and mingle with the ungodly and the unholy and I, I understand the concept but I think we miss the scriptures teachings if we believe that believers should have nothing to do with sinners because all of us were sinners Paul said this is a 
faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation. Paul said this, Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am chief. Paul said Jesus came to the world to save sinners. And if we don't have time for sinners, we're missing the main uh, commission that we have as believers. We need to engage with sinners. I read another illustration that I thought was interesting. It was about a neighbor whose, uh, I think the fence was broken down and they were trying to repair the fence. One of the other neighbors saw the person trying to fix the fence and he came and he brought his tools. He didn't, the neighbor didn't ask him, the man just saw him in need and started to help him. And he brought out his tools and they began to work and fix the fence. And pretty soon the gate was working, the fence was up and, and useful. And then the man who received the help said, man, what do you do with those tools? He said, I make friends. <laughs> he had a toolbox. Not because he was a carpenter, but because he wanted to be able to help somebody. My daddy used to sing a song, if I could help somebody as I travel along the way, then my living would not be in vain. Have you ever done that? You gather things not because you need them, but just in case somebody else does. Amen, amen. He said, I bought these tools so that I could make friends. If you want friends, you've got to be a friend. So Jesus is criticized by those who made the statement saying he eats with sinners. Mm, mm, mm. What kind of man is this? What kind of man or woman, shall we say, eats with sinners? The Bible also says in Proverbs 18, 24, a man of many companions may come to ruin, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. When I read that verse, it reminds us that it's not the quality, the quantity of friend that you have. Mm-hmm. It's the quality. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. It's not that you need a hundred friends yes, or a thousand friends. Be thankful for just a few good friends. But at the same time, there are friends that come into our lives for different occasions. I love my daughter, Amanda. And as I was preparing this message, I remembered a message that she was going to deliver. I wasn't there. My wife was there. But my daughter shared it with me before she delivered it. And she's quite an interesting person. I believe the occasion was some a women's conference and she called me a few days or a few weeks before she finalized a message 
and she went over it with me to get my feedback. And I want to share some of those thoughts that I heard her say because it's so relevant to this message today. She said, good afternoon, my beautiful sisters. In fact, she called the message a sister for every season. He said, life is made up of seasons, or as I call them, semesters. There are sunny seasons where life is good, everyone is healthy, your skin is glowing, your bank account is right, and you just feel good. There are also rainy seasons where things are still okay, but maybe you are bombarded with unexpected expenses back to back, or your relationships becoming estranged, or maybe work is becoming more stressful, or one of your children is beginning to be rebellious. Then there are dark, stormy semesters where God seems to be distant and maybe you're facing an illness, unemployment, or a divorce. You feel hopeless and uneasy about your future. When I face those dark, stormy seasons, one of the things that helps me to endure beside my faith in God is knowing that it's only temporary. It's only a season. It's only a semester. And it too shall pass. Today I want to talk about another thing that helps me endure the difficult seasons or semesters of life that are sure to come, and that is friendship or sisterhood. And then she offered a prayer, and after she prayed, now some of what she said, I'm glad I wasn't there because she said something about her daddy. She said, growing up, we moved around a lot. My father is a pastor, and he'd been in ministry for 50 years. And part of the ministry also started and planted churches, which means we never lived anywhere for more than a few years. I moved three times in the third grade. <laughs> that's what she said. Now, I don't know if that's true or not. Uh, let me look back at what she said. I lost myself. I, I, I couldn't get past that one. So let me go back and find that again. She said that she moved three times in the third grade. And she lived in probably 10 or 11 states. She said, routinely I was the new girl in class or a person who was added to an existing friend group. And then she said, although, uh, I'm having a difficult time here. I keep touching this little pad I have. She said, she was the new girl in class or she was added to an existing friend group. And although sometimes it was difficult, she began to develop skills in navigating a new and unknown environment. And even though I did not know or enjoy moving around a lot, I think the skills I developed served me well in life. I like to think of myself as a person who easily makes friends. The Bible says in Proverbs chapter 18, verse 24, a man that had friends must show himself friendly. And there is a friend that sticks closer than a brother. Stated another way, she said, if you want a friend, you must be a friend. So I know you may be thinking, okay, that's cute, but good. Girl, I don't have time for a friend. My husband is demanding. My job is demanding. My children are demanding. I'm just too tired. I don't have time for friends. Trust me, I understand this feeling all too well. I remember growing up, and my mom can surely attest to this, I dreamed of being a wife and a mom. I wanted to be married to Elder Ryan, and I wanted to be a full-time 
She was going to be a full-time pastor. I was going to be a pastor's wife. We were going to have four children. We were going to dedicate our entire life to ministry. That was my dream. Well, on a side note, thank God for unanswered prayer. <laughs> because y'all don't know that I couldn't handle four kids. But part of the reason that I, at age three or four, was fantasizing about marriage was because I feel that the church places so much emphasis on marriage. In many ways, it often feels like marriage is the only relationship on earth that matters to the church. Here's the reality. Not everyone will get or stay married. And statistically speaking, women typically outlive their husbands. So what are they supposed to do when their husband is gone? And she goes on. She talks about she married a nice, yummy husband. And then she said, research shows that having friends and emotional adds emotional and physical uh, support. And then she goes on and describes the various friends that she has. My longest friendship lasted 26 and 21 years and counting. However, different seasons require different types of friends. I have a collection of friends. I'm not going to call their real names here because uh, this message is being broadcast. But she says, I have friends whom I affectionately term my sister circle or my personal board of directors. Another term I have heard people say is the tribe or what Michelle Obama calls her kitchen table. She said, one friend I have whose name is Kay. She's 16 years older than me, and she lives in North Carolina. I met Kay at a woman conference in 2019. Kay is my friend who I can call when I have theological questions. She's finishing up her last year in seminary, and Kay is really like an encyclopedia of knowledge. Another friend is my high school friend, Bestie uh, S., whom I love and I've known since I was 13. She lives in Columbus where I can call her whenever I get grounded, need grounded lovingly. Then she goes on to name other friends. The point I guess I'm trying to make is that she has friends for various occasions. So as I look at this text today, which is really what this message is all about, Jesus went to Jericho. And there was a man there. A man that other people despised. A man that other folk overlooked. A man that other people didn't want to have anything to do with. But Jesus looked up and saw him. And he saw that the man had a need and a desire. And so he said, come down. Today I want to have a meal with you. Jesus befriended him. Jesus is good at doing that. If you recall in John chapter 4, there was a woman at a well. Now, she was a Samaritan. There were several problems with the conversation. Number one, men talking to women in public was not a good thing. There was a belief that there was something uh, erroneous going on. Then he was a Jew and she was a Samaritan. But Jesus put those things aside and he went to the woman and he began to converse with her. He said, give me some water. Now it sounded like he might have been flirting, but he wasn't flirting. He met her where she was. She was at the well drawing water, trying to draw water. So Jesus said, why don't you give me some of that water? And she said, sir, what you talking about? This well is deep and 
so on and so forth. He used that natural environment, those circumstantial uh, situations, to lead her into a spiritual conversation. He said, if you'd asked me, I would have given you some living water. I said, what do you mean living water? Man, you ain't even had nothing to draw water with. And then he began to talk to her. And at the end of the conversation, she left her water pot. And she ran to the city and told the men, come and see a man who told me everything that I'd ever done. What's the point? The point I'm trying to make is that Jesus set a model for us. The model is that we've got to be willing to engage people. We've got to be willing to enter into their world. We don't have to become one of them. We don't have to become sinners. But we have to be able to relate to people. And so he talked to her about water and about a whale. Mm -hmm. And he knew that that was of interest to her. And then he led her further into the conversation about spiritual things. Maybe you have a neighbor who loves sports. Maybe you have a neighbor who loves sewing or some other hobby or shopping or whatever it may be. That may be your avenue. That may be the doorway to bring you and that person together. He said, this man eats with sinners. But Jesus was talking with Zacchaeus about his soul. The Lord wants us to be soul winners. He wants us to be willing to engage people where they are and help them in their time of need. I remember reading in the scriptures about a woman that was caught in the very act of adultery. Now, again, that's one of the most strangest passages of scripture I've ever seen. But it reminds me of today's world. She's caught in the act, but there's no reference to the man. But she was caught in the act. But nobody came against the man. But they took the woman and they brought her to the church. Probably half-dressed. They said, Lord, we caught this woman in the very act of adultery. The law says she should be stoned. What you say? What you say? And Jesus agreed with the law. He said, the law does say that. You who are without sin, cast the first stone. The Bible says that he looked down and he waited. And all of her accusers started to tipping away. And they said, Jesus stooped down on the ground. He wrote something. I don't know what he wrote. I, I, I preached the sermon one. I wonder what he wrote. He wrote something. And every one of them began to tip out from the oldest to the youngest. And then when he looked up, the woman was shaking and trembling. He said, woman, where are your accusers? Yes, yes, yes. She said, sir, I don't have any. He said, neither do I. Go and sin no more. 
Now, he didn't say that what she did was right. He didn't say that she didn't deserve to be stoned, but he befriended her. He recognized the need that she had, and he asked her to go and don't do that again. Our task as Christians is to win the world for Christ, to let people know that there is a better way of life. To let them know that we serve a savior who loves us. Who cares for us. And it doesn't matter what we've done if we will turn to him in true repentance. He will forgive. And that's what he did. The final illustration I give is that woman who had what the Bible calls the issue of blood. This woman was obscure. She, her name is not even mentioned. But her great faith and the miraculous healing that she experienced is recorded in three gospel writings. The Bible says that she said to herself, if I could just touch the hem of his garment, I would be made whole. And I don't know, but I imagine she was down on her knees and hands and elbows trying to get through the crowd. And she made her way to Jesus. And Jesus turned around and said, who touched me? Not that he didn't know. He's always using his ministry as a teaching moment. Who touched me? And his folk, his disciples, man, what you talking about who touched you? All these folk out here, you talking about who touched you? He said, no, no. Somebody touched me. Somebody touched me in faith. And then the woman that was healed stood up and she trembled. Read the Bible. And the Bible says she told Jesus everything that she'd ever done. I don't know what she told him. But maybe the condition that she was in was a result of her own doing. Maybe she had been the victim of some type of sexual abuse. I don't know what it was, but whatever it was, she told Jesus. And Jesus told her to go and sin no more. Your faith has made you whole. We have a friend in Jesus. He's a friend that we can tell all of our troubles to. We can tell him about our fears, our hopes, our dreams, our aspirations. We can tell him our hurts, our pains, our longings. She told him. The Bible says she told him everything, Deacon. She told him everything. You can tell him. I must tell Jesus. One songwriter says, I must tell Jesus. I cannot bear these burdens alone. I must tell Jesus. I must tell Jesus. Jesus can help me. Jesus alone. I'm so glad that we have a friend like that. A friend that we can tell all of our troubles to. So when these people criticized him, saying he was eating with sinners, Jesus said, I came for sinners. Those that are whole don't need a physician. 
I came for sinners. I invite you today, if you are in need of a Savior, I invite you today, if you don't know the Christ that we're talking about, to come and get to know him. He's a friend. Yes, he is. Let us stand. He is a friend. You can.